Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we're going to be sitting down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching. Both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing. We have The Hustler, directed by Robert Rosen. Blowout, by Brian De Palma. The Color of Money, directed by Martin Scorsese. And finally, Origin, directed by Ava DuVernay. It is going to be a great billiards-filled show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. On this side of the table, how was your week of movies? <laughs> well, uh, it was really a wonderful week, thanks to your idea of not this my dome. idea. Uh, I, I was just gabbing. I was gabbing at the end of the episode last week. That, that's all that was. I, I, I gotta say, I, I really love this because it was so much what the podcast is about too like just finding a little little thing that you're you're looking into yes. you find yeah, yeah. you know uh, maybe some connective tissue between the movies and you, and you watched them and I mean, talk about "quote unquote" a double header. I mean, this is <laughs> the first official double header. I mean, <laughs> this so if people, are, if you're not familiar with the do, so you have the hustler and then the color of money, mm. which is um, base. Go ahead. Uh, uh, they they share the writer. Uh, both come from a novel. Yeah. Uh, they share the character of uh, possibly what I'm confidently going to be calling one of the best characters in all-time cinema, Fast Eddie Felsen. <laughs> Fast I, Eddie Felsen? I love Fast Eddie so much. <laughs> and Minnesota Fat Felsen. Oh, some great names. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it was just like, it was so perfect to watch these films together. So uh, hats off to you, Tom. I think this is a great idea. Well, this just came about because I had mentioned I was really into Paul Newman yeah. and going through the Paul Newman list. Right, and right. then I was saying, oh, I'll probably do The Color of Money, which you pointed out was the successor. Yep. Um, the spiritual successor, if you will, sure. which is now like just a straight up sequel. Now yeah, it, understanding it, it, yeah. it a lot more, you know. <laughs> and so I had not watched the Color of Money then, and then I watched it. Yeah. And then two days later, I watched it again with Andrea. Yep. Then I watched half of it again. <laughs> <laughs> so Amazing. that doesn't listen. That doesn't mean you know it's an eighty-five percent, right? Because your rule is if I watch it twice, you know that's when it, me. <laughs> I watched uh, what was the movie? That's, I watched Major League two and a half times oh, and only okay. gave it two shoes. So yeah, you know, right, right. It was a little bit different over here. <laughs> rules are, are skewed a bit. Uh, really happy. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't twist your arm. Yeah, I, I've uh, because I've always been uh, slightly aware of this. Also, similar to you, Newman is a name that 
I, of course, recognize but don't really know where he made his bones. I mean, this is the character for oh. him. Oh, uh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, talk about what a character and, and what a performance, too. He's he's just cool as ice in both of these films. Cool hand Luke, fast that he fell. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and, and, folks, let me just say that and, and take a moment to encourage sending in your own lists and pairings. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee we'll get to them all or there's no guarantee it'll spark my kind of uh, my curiosity right. in the same way. But uh, I would say this was the best part of watching this week because I really did feel like it was a dynamite idea. So, um, folks at home, if you want to write in, you want to donate in, whatever you want to feel, uh, comment on, on uh, the socials, yeah. uh, pairings, your your own doubleheader, uh, I'd be happy to take a look because this was really, again, it adds the a, best part of the It week. adds another th- – and it's like – this is fun. Movies are fun. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and as much as like this is maybe a full on part time job, mm-hmm. uh, movies are fun and it's step it's fun to step away from your phones or the news in real life <laughs> and right. just like enjoy movies. And these back to back. Yeah. It's such a joy to have these. Absolutely. It was, it was very cool to watch. Yeah. Uh, one note I will say, you know, it's very helpful too to donate with your ideas <laughs> if you <laughs> Uh, but also, I think maybe the one thing that Vin also gets from people is just like, you got to watch this. You got to right. watch this. Sure, and sure. To the point where I don't do that with Vin. One thing I know with Vin, <laughs> like this, I, didn't, I didn't even tell him to do the hustle and call it money. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just saying this was what my journey. Right. And, um, and he, then he went for <laughs> You reverse psychology me. Yeah. Psychology me <laughs> into wanting to do it. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, suggestions and any type of engagement is great yeah, for sure. Yeah. And now, before cracking into these two, yeah. I was trying to remember, and, and, and clearly it must be the case from what you said. Said rewatching the color of money yeah. multiple times. Which one of these two did you prefer? Because you said one of them is like your new favorite sports movie. Oh, you don't remember? No. Oh, we'll just get it. I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you that right away. I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> by the way, do you think chess is a sport? Uh, well, uh, Walter Tev- Tevin, uh, the guy that wrote this, he wrote the Queen's Gambit. So I think this How guy old is him. Uh, How yeah, old is he? He has he has like I think seven books. Uh, how old is him? How old is this man? <laughs> I mean, the hustler's nineteen sixty-one. Yeah, yeah. For God's sakes, uh, I, I think he uh, he might have died semi-tragically or, or, or died young. But uh, I didn't do too much a deep dive into it. More so, just like, all right, where is Fast Eddie coming from? Right. And it's like, oh, it's a book. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So maybe okay. uh, you know maybe sports writer, sports writer special. I think Who yeah, because I think chess is a game. Yeah. I think I was said the the pool movie to somebody and they thought it like or it being like a great sports movie, one of my favorite sports mm, movie, mm-hmm. and someone just not getting it and thinking I was a ridiculous one. It's like what are you talking about? Is this a sports is a pool of sports? Oh, especially Color of Money, the more official spin to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and we also our second movie. I re- honestly, it was getting a little late last night, and mm. I was going to start uh, Blowout. Mm, okay. I just almost wanted to see where De Palma goes. Uh, right, right. After the last one, like turns it. out not too far okay. from the, you know. And, 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 and I learned it was a Philly movie as oh, well. Oh yeah, yeah, but it was a little bit late, uh, so I was like, well, it's going to be snoozing during it anyway. So I didn't get to that one, but obviously I watched the two of the four, and I'm glad we only did four this week. Yeah, couldn't uh, get your hands on the other new release. So uh, like, yeah, folks, it. it was it was uh, going to be all. All of Us Strangers, uh, which looked to be good, but uh, I had scheduling conflicts. I already had to drive a good distance for Origin, and I, I couldn't couldn't get it done. Uh, and then Miller's Girl was maybe on the chopping block uh, with um, 
uh, the chick from Wednesday. I forget her name. And um, well, it was on the chopping block, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> she got chopped. It, yeah, it got chopped. <laughs> right. <laughs> These aren't actually on the chopping block. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just saw like it getting some real bad reviews, and I was just like, oh, is this like a sexy student teacher thing? And I was just like, all right, I right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Diamond does it, really, you know. <laughs> Uh, okay, folks, let's just jump into it right away. We're going to go back, take a, take a step back to uh, 1961, a director I don't think we're familiar with, and we have not um, have not dealt with that all in the Daily Ratings, Robert mm, no. Rosen. No. Uh, but this is The Hustler, Paul Newman starring, I think he's around 30, 31 years old really? when he's filming this. Wow. Uh, so not quite as young as Tom Cruise in The mm-hmm. Color of Money, but still he's on his way up still. Mm. You know, this is mm-hmm. almost like the start of his true celebrity stardom. Yeah. I feel like that this is like brings him into the sixties, um, as he's like worked his way up through the fifties a little bit. Oh, sure, sure. But anyway, the hustler, nineteen sixty one. Let's get into it right away, Vin. Uh, how did you like it? Uh, well, I-, I adored this film. Uh I feel like the hustler beyond kind of my understanding and uh, the rumor mill, if you will, uh, that this was a very critically acclaimed film. I don't know. Uh, this this movie captured everything I want out of when I say the rule of cool, everything I want when I say out of like a really compelling character that I, I really want to follow. Uh, and I haven't seen a lot of Newman either, yeah, but undoubtedly one of his most iconic roles. I think the only thing we've covered on the podcast was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Correct, yeah. I I will go on to say a few times, and I've already said it, but the character of Fast Eddie is an all-time great here, Uh, and in large part for how Newman embodies the slick setting around him. Uh, Robert Rosen is doing some heavy lifting as well here, a classic director that honestly would love to spend more time with, 1949's All the King's Men being Mm -hmm. one of those big old movies that you just see on a dozen lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, We'll give some love to Rosen eventually. He's uh, now on one of my lists. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Co-wrote this as well. Yes, yes. Uh, But uh, above everyone else, I want to give huge praise to writer Walter Tevis. Uh, I mean, the man is the author to both of these movies, the Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, which was actually covered on the podcast, an earlier podcast ep, and even the semi-recently adapted Queen's Gambit, like we mentioned. Um, folks, when I tell you there is exactly zero fat on this, I mean it. I mean, this is a sharp, sharp sharp movie. You know, I can't begin to tell you how fine-tuned this is. Even, you know, even even the moments where we dip into a romance, uh, even when we dip into more of a kind of the character of Fast Eddie and how he's dealing with the pressure. Hmm. Every ounce of this film is dedicated to outlining the world of gambling and especially in that first act, it is seriously about shooting pool. Oh, I mean, oh. <laughs> Talk about leading with your strength, too. That first act between Fast Eddie and Minnesota Fats, which we'll get into in a moment. I mean, it's just, it's it's leading with its best punch. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's, it's a it's, dynamite way to start it, to build an antagonist, to you build a goal. You can even say the first, uh, the first shot, the first yeah. uh, the first scene mm-hmm. of Paul Newman, and I forget his counterpart at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when they go into just, when they're all on the road, going mm-hmm. through their bars and hustling, they're yeah. just setting the tone. Yeah. They, they're letting you know in about five minutes who these guys are, what the deal is. Yeah, yeah. And their, and their intentions and goals. And how the hustle is is layered as yes. well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it honestly took me about halfway through the film. I was like, doesn't he have a sales convention to get to? You know? They, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they, and <laughs> because they throw it out there as part of the hustle. You, you know, he's got somewhere to be. But, uh, but yeah, it is all for the action, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I think right away, I think we're going to, 
there might be one thing that we're going to disagree on okay. throughout this film here. Okay. Is I was surprised to hear you say how tight you thought it was, how mm. good the script was. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't think the writing was good. Or, okay. Uh, I felt that it to be too long. Really? And this is, yeah. Okay. Uh, in fact, when I watched it uh-huh. and saw that it was two hours and 15 minutes and then got through it, I not only thought it was too long and it could have been trimmed up about a bit, I thought this was going to be the big weight on it for you. Really? Really? Uh, so good to hear. Good to hear that you yeah. did not think so. I, I, like, like I said, I, I, well, the middle act, uh, when we get involved with the romance, is where I feel like, if anywhere, it drags. But honestly, I was in love, infatuated with the first and third you act. Love you love being know? in the pool hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything around the pool, anything around the world of gambling, and very especially the shady characters, I was like all about. Okay, okay. So, wow, okay. Yeah. And, I don't, and I mean, like, it's 215. I was thinking this could easily be two hours. Mm, yep. And not that it wouldn't... Like, let's take this scenes out. I just thought it maybe could have been quickened up a little bit here. Sure, there. sure. But uh, it wasn't uh, a big contention, but yeah. it was there a little bit for me. I definitely feel you, though. because, And again, I, I feel the same because the romance gets a little melodramatic. And it's just like, yeah. you know, all right, you know. Right, right. Uh, I, I didn't think it was – it was definitely important to tell what this world does to the characters. You know, that that that's where it could be trimmed a little bit. Um, really, it's just that start. That's just we, – we get into right of – who our character is, how he operates, and then we just introduce what his goals are, and yeah. and, and that you know that's that's Fats Minnesota. I I'm curious on your thoughts with this. I would say I would almost compare this to 2014's Whiplash, uh, oh. where you know this it's a story of obsession of how there can only be one winner of how the loser blurs into type of a uh, type of addiction to crawl towards the top. I, I think these themes are further amplified by the gambling and the crime in the story. You know, while the sequel has a more official spin to its tone, the setting of this story is filled with fox-like characters that are just all out for each other, mm-hmm. and that's what I liked. I like the the evil spin to this. Uh, yeah, the, the underworld spin. Right, the world of just not good people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, high quality players, high quality hustlers, none of them really good. You're right. All morally gray for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Interesting. I wasn't thinking about Whiplash at, at, that much. I can see how you got there. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie to me felt like. It felt like a 1940s movie, a mm. 1950s movie, sure. almost, and it really felt like I was stepping back in time. I wasn't thinking mm-hmm. about much of anything modern, in mm. fact. Okay, to, to compare with and stuff, I, I like. I, I do kind of like the Whiplash thing because the movie is simple. It does have a basic core mm. to it and mm-hmm. runs off that core. Right. It's about someone doing something real good yeah. and getting obsessed with it. You know. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As the core structure there. But there's there's a lot there's a lot of praise, but we should maybe give give some some uh, some rails to this. Uh, uh, the hustler is about Fassett Felsen, like I said, one of the sharpest nine ball players to walk onto the scene. Hardly anyone can stand up to his skill, but. The trick is not letting anyone in on that secret. Fassetti makes his living on high-stake games driven up by the hustle. Uh, But as one of the best, he craves beating the best. That title belongs to Get Ready for the Best F***ing Name Ever, folks, Minnesota Fats. (laughs) Played by the wonderful Jackie Gleason, coming off of Honeymooners fame, uh, and I mean... I don't know. I, I feel like this is like such a stellar casting. I mean, I'm not like a huge Jackie Gleason fan, but like seeing him in this role and seeing him without like the the campiness of his normal comedy of sure, what sure. I know it to be. Yeah, man, uh, awesome casting. Awesome. Uh, casting. He was phenomenal. And the more, not that I did like heavy, heavy research on it, but when I was looking up the trailer on YouTube for Color of Money, mm. of course, all this other Color of Money stuff comes down. Sure, sure. And it prompted. Um, 
Joe Rogan clip because mm-hmm. he was huge in the pool and like competition oh, pool really? player. Okay. And he had a guess that they were talking about Keller Money and the Hustler. Mm-hmm. And he said, guess Jackie Gleason was a straight up very good pool player. Really? kind of came up oh, and, awesome. and hit pool halls a lot when he was in clubs or because he did a lot of comedy, like stand up uh-huh. and stuff too. Uh, apparently, actually, like a very, very good pool player wow. in real life. Inspired casting. Man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fantastic. But you're so, the way he's his jacket, the way he carries himself. <laughs> yeah. He, he's in the middle of the game. He's washing up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. He's so great. Um, to get to him, though, Eddie must uh, dive deeper and deeper into the underworld of billiards gambling, where there is always action and unwanted eyes on his game. Um, I would say to to balance some of the praise here, I, when eventually we do get that romance thrown in the mix, um, it mostly serves to give us time out of the pool hall. I was fine with it. I, mm. I would have loved if this never left the pool hall. <laughs> I know that's crazy, but I, I really do think um, it it felt like a detour from what was the best part uh, of the first 40 minutes of this. Um, am I crazy to want to cut this romance entirely, though? What are your thoughts? Uh, no, so I kind of have a... a I'll just kind of read out my note sure. here that I have that kind of connects with that a little bit. Because I made a comment, or I made a note here of some sports movies, and a lot of them actually, skip around. We lose focus on the actual game mm-hmm. itself. We focus on other aspects of the characters or like the relationships of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, most prominently, this was a problem with like our baseball movies yes. where you just want to be on the field, on the right. field. Give me the team, give me right. the sport. So I said that th- this film is about hustling and pool hustling, <laughs> and this movie is hustling and pool hustling. Uh, playing billiards takes up a huge amount of the minutes on the screen. Uh, but, but even when we're out of the pool hall mm-hmm. and we're dealing with the other stuff or the relationship, the art or the craft of the hustle is mm. actually always ple- present mm. and always playing in the back of your mind. Sure, um, sure. So I think a big concept of the film and the hustler mm-hmm. is still always there. Right. I admit this is when the movie drags the most, mm-hmm. uh, but never loses the fourth thing where everything is a hustle yeah. in the end a little bit. And and it plays with that, and the relationship is played with that. Sure, sure. Um, I guess we got to see Eddie at his lows, and that this kind of you know falls into that. But yeah. if anything, because it's such a strong character, I just wanted more time when he was just killing it yeah, on the table. It's so electric. I never felt like this movie like flew. I mm-hmm. always felt it to be a slower movie. Mm-hmm. But it, it just... When you're in the pool hall, it, it, mm. your your eyes are glued, and, and and every character, no no less Jackie Gleason, no less George oh. C. Scott, okay, which we'll okay, get okay, to okay, a, okay, in right, a yeah, moment okay. here. Whew, I, I don't uh, want to talk about George C. Scott for four months. <laughs> four months, I've been wanting to talk George C. Scott with you. <laughs> what a performance! Oh, oh man, He's so and this is before Patton. I mean, like this is. I, I've got thoughts. <laughs> George C. Scott is also another one of those actors like Newman, where it's like, uh, yeah, I guess I've heard of him. Right, I never right. really like, watched him, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, it, real quick. Just back to the to the romance yeah. though. <laughs> Before we we yeah. just just absolutely. You got me talking here. I go right. on a tangent. <laughs> I know. I keep a leash on me, man. <laughs> Um, it, it's a good performance from the actor uh, Piper uh, Lopri, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I was just annoyed by her character, and again, in, a, in just a very honest way. Uh, it may not be the most highbrow critique. It just it it tore me away from what I thought was working like. 10 out of 10 excellent in this film. I think based, I think kind of what it comes down to is you f- get a little frustration with her a little bit. And I've, I just think we are dealing with characters of extreme performance yeah. and very uh, 
and just extremely competent characters. Right, And right. not that she's, like, a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. She is not, you know, she doesn't, she's the opposite side of that pinpointed, mm-hmm. strong-headed billiards player. Yes. You know, she is the antithesis to that a little bit for yeah. Paul Newman. So, naturally. She also doesn't know the world of gambling, uh, either. Right. Oh, definitely. Know? So, I think that's, it just is, it's it's taking away from that. Mm, you yeah. know, when the movie is so much about this one thing, mm-hmm. she's very purposely supposed to be the opposite of that thing a little bit. Yeah. Which also yeah. feels like it pulls away from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in ways, uh, this could have been a lot worse. Uh, let me say that much. Uh, this, I feel like, instead of it just being the second act, could have been the whole movie that uh, mm. we are first introduced to the gambling through her eyes as newbies. We are, you know, it, it's layered differently. Uh, this avoids that, so I still think there's there's plenty of praise here. It's just that, uh, again, there was there was this ten out of ten excellent vibe I was getting for the <laughs> first forty minutes of this, and then I was just like, oh, okay, I guess I guess he has to have a romantic interest, right, right, you know? right. So, uh, I really do think all other performances are stellar, though. Um, Newman himself, he is cool as fucking ice in this. Uh, I mean, folks, if you're like me and had no clue who Newman was besides some some salad dressings, I mean, <laughs> this is the movie to watch. He's this is his character. I I don't I could not see anyone else fill this character. Uh, I feel like that's very apparent from Color of Money that he kind of just like rehijacks the story. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's Paul Newman too. I yeah. think I mean he is a true he is a true celebrity. Yeah, it comes off off screen. He, he oozes with it. Yeah, I mean he did come out with a film called Cool Hand Luke. So you know very <laughs> yeah. much to that, it's like he is that guy. Who yeah. else did you put in there? Yeah, I don't think he can be replaced with Robert Redford. I don't think. Yeah, they I play was... nice together. Sure, in the Sting sure. and in, in Butch Cassidy. Right, right. Um, but Paul Newman is his own mm, thing. He really is. I almost the only thing like modern thing I was thinking about watching this movie was Quentin Tarantino saying how he thinks one of the last truly movie stars that we have left is Brad Pitt. Oh, okay. Brad Pitt has a little bit of that cool, awesome, you know, sure. women want to be with him, men want to be him type sure, of vibe. Sure, sure. It's definitely, it's definitely a lost thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where back then, I mean, Newman had it in spades. He really did. And, and I guess I'm experiencing that, like, almost like Hollywood glamour, you know what I mean? I haven't you really feel, been, You like, feel it. I've been, like, wooed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... I, I will have plenty to say as well when we get to Color of Money in just a moment, folks. Uh, is somehow he even becomes cooler. He, somehow, this dude is the coolest guy on the planet. It's unreal. He's, uh, it's unreal. By the way, Dibs, I already called. In fact, Andrea called it out. He's like, I'm calling Dibs on the podcast. I, I get to be him for Halloween. <laughs> In, in color of money. Oh, and we'll hell talk yeah. One particular scene. The, the sunglasses? Yeah, and I'll have a Balabushka with me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's killer. Oh man, uh, Jackie Gleason. Like we said, uh, you know, coming off of the honeymoon, honeymooners' fame. If you don't know what that show is, I mean, it's uh, the the straight to the moon, you know, shit like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that a good description? I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was shocked by a oh, quick, quick side tangent. Yep. Uh, Honeymooner is pretty iconic, right? When you think uh, of like... Very. Yeah. Yeah. Starting sitcoms, television culture, uh, only 39 episodes. Yeah, I know. That? I know. It was just in like Gilligan's Island, only three seasons. Wow. Unreal. You know? Unreal. I, I think 
with Jackie Gleason, my praise here is, well, it's great that you say that he's an actual pool player because I feel like he does really have a vibe, you know, when oh. Eddie makes a good shot, he's like slowly like clapping the, the, the pool oh, that's cue like the on move. the ground, yeah, yeah, that's you the know, uh, he's got a confidence that's <laughs> like, again, I don't see anyone else filling that role. Um, uh, and really, I just love structure wise, his introduction in act one is just so brilliant to set up an antagonist, set up a goal for Eddie. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, just such little distraction in these first 40 minutes about playing pool. Uh, it's just, it's just I know. electric. Is, is, is he the bad guy or is he just extremely good at what he does? And, and he's aware of it. You right. You know what I mean? I mean he's, he's almost the, uh, he's almost the heel. He's, uh, he's, uh, the counter. And uh, he gets respect from the audience because yeah. it's exuded. You yep. know, you just feel it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely a, a stellar performance. I wish Gleason was in more. Um, I know. I know. Uh, he really was good yeah, in this. I feel like he could be in Apparently, so many things. Uh, does mute, like He started off in stand-up comedy a little mm-hmm. bit. Of course, he did The Honeymooners. Uh, he does act, and throughout his career, he continued to do comedy. But he also like composed oh, a little really? bit and did music for films as well. Oh, interesting. Did music. Interesting. Uh, yeah, wish he... Maybe we just have to look into a little bit. You know, yeah. The more you look, the more you I'm realize. Sure maybe there's one more little special role that he filled out because. I crushed uh, it in this. Yeah, it really did crush it. Um, last but not least okay, is George C. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we already said it was before Patton. So, I mean, I, I that's really the only thing I would recognize George C. Scott from. What, why don't you take the ball? So George C. Scott, I watched. I knew. Uh, I, I knew the legacy of Patton being a big film, sure. some people's favorite movies, and mm-hmm. and this years back, I had watched it on my own and okay. really liked it. Really liked him of just like this, like why don't I know this guy more? Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, like four months ago, five months ago, I watched a YouTube video and someone did a very nice homage to George C. Scott, saying oh, okay. like low key, he's actually one of the better actors or best actors in his generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went through some of his films and stuff he was mm-hmm. in, and then for me personally, it was just like I want to see more of this guy i want to see i just can't mm. wait to see him so i watched the hustler for paul newman yep. a little bit paul newman study for myself and then when i saw he was in it i was mm. like here we go i yep. said yes finally george <laughs> c scott george c scott and now i'm finding all i want i want george c scott to be in every right. movie Absolutely. there's a character for him somewhere <laughs> just every villain I basically mean, but he's but at the same like he is so oh man i mean I, why don't you just spend some time on it I, really, like, it's just it's he, you can when, be here when for I Halloween. describe, <laughs> <laughs> I can be George Scott yeah. in the hustle specific. That ain't gonna be Tom Cruise, so we can walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great, Vincent playing Vincent. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I think George C. Scott. He when when I describe this world being enriched by its slick fox-like characters in this underworld of gambling and hustling and billiards. He just encompasses it mm. because he's the bookie. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's he really is the bad guy when it comes down to the arc for Fast Eddie, uh, where the challenge itself, the mountain he has to climb, is Minnesota Fats. Right, right. And man, uh, he just is he it almost ex- had a sweet smell of success vibe, where it's less. It was just like I'm so gripped by how criminal and how manipulative and how like truly an asshole like real you know evil dude this guy is he is such where you're enamored with paul newman and how awesome he is and stuff right you're looking at george c scott and you're just like holy shit this guy is an incredible actor Mm -hmm. you know acting and techniques have changed a lot over the years 
sometimes you watch those old films and people are just like, holy shit, that is an actor. That person like deserves yeah. respect even for today's standards. And that's George C. Scott. Yeah. I mean, watching yeah. him on screen, he encapsulates that yeah. so well. Absolutely. Um, it was it was kind of sh- it was shocking how good he was yeah. and how real he was mm-hmm. and visceral at times. Yeah. Um, it might be even the secret ingredient to why it all works because oh know, I think so absolutely you know I, not that you forget about Minnesota Fats as kind of his goal uh, to get back to uh, he is but, but he's like the fourth most important character <laughs> is, as far yeah. as I mean Jackie Gleason Minnesota yeah, Fats yeah. George C. Scott is almost second most important I, I would say so I would say so yeah uh, and uh, how how he also is an introduction I mean I think I like the character because he's the gateway to more of what I like in the film yeah we go to Kentucky and he knows these weird like right. weird freaks almost <laughs> they're like <laughs> <laughs> all about just playing pool all night long and gambling their money have their away. own private stuff their own private bars downstairs <laughs> And the old tables, <laughs> so I, I liked him as a bridge into more of the underworld. Yeah, uh, and he's uh, the guy who's connected. Absolutely, and I, <clears throat> it's important to say, like you said, he was a bookie. So basically, his role is mm-hmm. he uh, he holds the money for the pool players, mm-hmm. and he will set up tables. He will travel with you. He'll go around the country, so you can move around from pool hall to pool hall to actually yeah. hustle people for that money. He'll pay for your food. He'll pay for your uh, room and board. Mm-hmm. He has the c- connects, but once when you you win he gets a cut of it mm, and if yep. you're playing for money he's the one who's actually holding the money and he has to approve mm-hmm. whether you ought to be playing or not type yep. of deal so yep. that's kind of his involvement in this underground pool world yeah incredible performance so. absolutely absolutely uh i mean walking away i am very interested in almost everyone involved in this project and yeah. to watch more of it whether it be the director the writer uh, paul newman George C. scott jackie you know Gleason, th- yeah so much so much so uh originally watching this um again it's that middle section that lost me a bit and i say that just as a heads up for folks at home because i like old movies and I think to your comments, Tom, yeah. that's where it could be maybe you know a bit slower. But uh, I can't tell you, folks, I absolutely adored the start and the end to this movie uh, to the point of near perfection. Uh, you know, everything around billiards is great, and everything around gambling is even better. You know, scenes are just so good in this, and I found myself watching it again on two separate occasions, going back and watching these pool scenes mm. to the point of buying the film and watching it all the way again. Really? I think this was a great pick. Uh, excellent work, Tom. Ooh. We're going to go ahead and give The Hustler an 86. Whoa! <laughs> Big boy alert! Big boy alert! Okay! Uh, <laughs> really, really great. <laughs> I... I Honestly, I was so sure of myself <laughs> that you would be uh, you would be not so hot because of the length. Mm, I right. thought you would have been saying, "Man, make this an hour and forty five. Right, right. Keep us in the billiards room, mm. whatever." I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, I knew you were gonna like it. I knew you were I, gonna it, like it. It, it but... hits that sweet spot for the rule of cool wow. with me. Wow, you know, it's just that everyone is cool as ice, and and it's it's yeah, compelling yeah. to watch. <laughs> and then as well, in like a sweet smell success, I love just everyone being so morally messy, so smeared as far as their ethics of yeah. what they're willing to get pushed to. And the and, and again, in the comparison to Whiplash, how the film is a challenge of that. How far are these people willing to go? Right, yeah. Uh, and I feel it just, it came all together, the, you know, the front and the end of it really near wow. perfection. Okay, so The Hustler with an 80 Six yep. percent. Uh, no two shoes on this one. <laughs> I put my hand up right away. No two shoes. Okay. Really like the movie. Right. Really like the movie. But I did feel. I mean, my one basic note, which is what I started with, mm-hmm. was 
you know, it has a look and feel from the 40s and 50s is kind of yes. how I felt. There's no frills, no flash to the film, mm-hmm. um, which makes it boil down completely on the performances to keep sure. you engaged, which, yep. like you just described, they basically do. But for a 1961 slow black mm-hmm. and white film mm-hmm. um, at two hours and 15 minutes, it's just it's hard not to feel that, in my opinion, it stalled out for me sometimes. Sure, sure. Um, and that kind of took it a bit. If it was more snappier, mm-hmm. uh, maybe this would have even more of a sweet smell of success because you said mm. that film can really move. Yeah, yeah. It moves slick. You know? I, I, I think I think that's where it even held it back uh, a tiny bit from even more of a positive <laughs> wow. score. Uh, I know, as crazy as it is to say, yeah. this was really bouncing all over the 80s, though. Do, and honestly, do you think the 86 is too generous for for someone that's not used to any type of old movies. Maybe they have a passing interest in billiards or something and they land on this. Do you think that... uh, I don't know how to answer that. Okay. I I think that most people who watch this will come away with it more so Mm -hmm. the way I come down on it. Sure. Which honestly, I don't know, that might be like a daily ratings like in the 70s or something like that. Right, right. Low 70s, mid 70s is maybe where I thought you were going to land on Mm -hmm. it. But it's, it's not like it's not... I, I don't look at that, and I'm not angry at that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This isn't a situation. Sure. This isn't a... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Why is he going to pull out? I was going to say that. I can't even remember I hate it so much. What's the Del Toro, uh, Bradley Cooper one that Leo was supposed <laughs> oh, to be in with a oh, carnival freak? Oh, I hate the hate of that movie. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> but regardless, I don't know if most people are going to land on 86. I, but the thing is, this is like revered and loved mm, sure. uh, of old, like old critics, new critics. Like th- yep. it's, it's a beloved movie. And I feel like, I mean, there is something to it. This mm-hmm. film has something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. People our age that go back and watch it, I don't know. Tough to say. Yeah. yeah. But uh, something I was, I was again, with this kind of bouncing around the 80s in my mind. Yeah. Um, I think I was, I was curious of... You know, realistically, uh, especially walking into coming up in, in February and covering some, you know, the the Fred Astaire movies again. Uh, how much is like someone that has never seen a black and white film? Yeah, has never seen, uh, you know, anything past like I don't know the eighties. You know, not sure, even the seventies. Sure. Yeah. Uh, how how do they uh, kind of come into this and see it? So hopefully that's ex- uh, that's a ex- perfect example of where the podcast gives some perspective. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, uh, and and especially for the hustle hustler, tune into that that evil underworld. I, I absolutely love. Oh, it'll it. take you there on a t- yeah. 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 Just just sit back and let it in, basically. Absolutely. Okay, Vin. Excellent. That is an eighty six for the hustler. Fantastic, fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're gonna break our rule a little bit. We're not gonna go and uh, blowout came out in eighty one, mm-hmm. but we're gonna go ahead and jump into color money. You had yeah. suggested that before we started, uh, which came out in eighty six. But it's smart to pair these together. Yeah. So this is now nineteen eighty six. This is literally the second Scorsese movie that we've ever done on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. The first one we the first one we did was um, Killers uh, of the Killer Flower Road Moon. Moon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this honestly. I, 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 I knew this film existed, especially getting into the Newman stuff. Mm-hmm. I was excited to watch this. I kind of forgot that this is a Scorsese movie. <laughs> yeah, it really does like, get lost like in the shuffle. Pre-Goodfellas. Yeah. We're in a different uh, era. You right, know? right. He's Raging coming Bull. off of Raging Bull, Color of Money, and then one other one that I didn't even recognize. Well, uh, I forget when the um, the uh, Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, uh, that's after this. Two years after this. Oh, then. really? Yeah. So, oh, that's 88. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely in uh, his not his mega success, but certainly they're calling him you know one of the new kids on the block. Oh, you know, we'll have to raging bull. I mean, yeah, for absolutely. sure, absolutely. Taxi. Uh, absolutely. But okay, so this is, this is like we just said. Martin Scorsese, 1986. Paul Newman is back. <laughs> I think filming this now. Paul Newman is 61. Oh, okay. It's like Paul, it's actually Tom Cruise's current age, which is <laughs> the difference as far as really? like. like 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul Newman is is aging. Uh, <laughs> Boo salesman and Tom Cruise is jumping off mountains uh, with a parachute. <laughs> but Tom Cruise, I believe, is in his early 20s. Paul Newman is 61. Uh, this is the successor uh, to The Hustler. So mm. it's literally in the same world as The Hustler. Yeah. 25 years in advance, which mm-hmm. is exactly how the movies play out, too. Mm-hmm. 61 to 86. Uh, okay, Vin, let's get into it right away. How did you like Martin Scorsese's The Color of Money? I, I liked it a lot. Uh, it, I got to be honest, it was up against a very strong picture. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, the yeah, Hustler yeah. Was, was was really hitting for me. But um, like you said, my original awareness of this was around it being a spiritual successor, continuing the story of Fast Eddie as a supporting character. But after watching this, you know, I would happily call this just a straight-up true sequel, you know? Yeah. You know, it's not going to be called The Hustler 2 or something <laughs> like that, thank God. Um, not only is this the last novel of Walter Tevis, or Tevis, but uh, even with uh, Tom Cruise smearing over every scene, uh, this story is still very much directly about Fast Eddie. Uh, and, and let me say, Paul Newman God is, is just the goddamn man in this. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, if the last movie didn't cement it already, Newman is somehow able to be even cooler in his old age. I know, and playing up the old age. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. I feel he could take. He's a- slower. He's less wiry. Because I mean, his character there's, as well is a little bit of not, yes. not like tweaky but you know what I mean he's he's trying to get somewhere there's three scenes where he comes across so youthful and quick <laughs> with his movements quick with his language yeah. well I'm almost upset that they age him the way he does that's mm, almost like Hollywood in this sure. 80s movies yeah yeah like, just take the, the mustache away <laughs> yeah. and get rid of some of the gray hair right. and I think he could actually he was okay with showing himself in that way. Sure, sure. Where I don't think a lot of actors would. Yeah. They need to stay in a certain lane. They need to stay young. Well, much like, oh, a, like right. a Tom Cruise. Right. <laughs> need the to stay young and be that younger guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, because he's got a quickness to him in some of these scenes. Uh-huh. Uh, but him taking this role mm-hmm. of this aging guy kind of incredible. Yeah. And yeah. still so Just, cool. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, won the Oscar for Best Supporting. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Best, best actor. Lead. Yeah, yeah, Best Lead. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, more than anything, I'm happy that he got it. I mean, it was. it's kind of a weak year for the Oscars. Uh, this is the 87 Oscars. Uh, I, you know, I saw him win. I was like, Did, was this a pity thing? And after watching, I don't think that's the oh, case. Oh, come on. It's, he's no. so good. But yeah, <laughs> I'm glad he get it. He got it for Fast Eddie because I feel like this is a shared Oscar win for the both. You know, it's, it's for the character yeah, yeah, that he yeah. plays. So. Uh, you know, of course, this one of the more exciting elements of this is that Martin Scorsese is directing, and um, you know, not to be overcritical, I would maybe put this in Marty's B list, just as uh, it feels like him, yeah. but not all the way him. You know, by no means is this a bad movie whatsoever, but I was expecting a lot more coming off of the last film and definitely walking into a Scorsese film. Uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like this film surprised me how. It felt like a modern revival sequel with heavy nostalgia nods, to, you know, peppering the film. Uh, also, this is uh, one of the more notable soundtracks by Robbie Robertson. Um, yeah, yeah. Filled with these smoky, haunting blues that echoes throughout the many pool halls. Um, I feel like just an entirely different tone is being captured 25 years later. Does that work out? Uh, 25? Yeah, 25, exactly. Yeah. So. Which I love. I mean, and to be honest, with the music and Robbie doing it, mm-hmm. and of course, we talked about him on the um, the wrap-up year, kind of, the Tom Daly episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I love, too, it kind of just brought me back to that very opening scene in The Last Waltz where Rick Danko is explaining mm-hmm. Nine Ball or something like that. 
which I love. So true. Yeah, I love that it's Marty now and, and Robbie working right. on this film Maybe together. Maybe that's the, the spark of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> In The Color of Money, Fast Eddie Felsen once again uh, has long hung up his pool, pool cue, making a living out of selling booze uh, with some healthy action on the side. This doesn't last too long, though, uh, as he stumbles across a loud, reckless, but brilliant pool player named Vincent, played by none other than Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> Were you aware that Cruise was in this? Oh, of course. Oh, okay, okay. And how could you not? I was pretty blind to this film, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've always seen this poster that just says Newman Cruise. Uh, That's true. I did know the poster, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty iconic. That's true. Um, also, this is the first time Tom Cruise plays a character named Vincent, the second being Michael Mann's uh, collateral. Uh, I, this is something I track in individually uh, as being named Vincent. <laughs> uh, Eddie sees himself uh, in Vincent naturally. How could he not? Uh, and aims to nurture the hustle in his game. Uh, the only problem is Vincent doesn't really care about the money uh, and only wants the glory of being the best. And, uh, this puts the two of them at odds for most of the film uh, until we see kind of kind of a, a little bit of a role reversal and that's where I encourage this is really about Fast Eddie still. This is still Newman's oh, this show, is, yeah. And and then proofs in the pudding, him, you know, winning the the best lead actor. Yeah. See, didn't know that going into it. Mm. I thought this was going to be more of Tom Cruise lead. Oh yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm okay. with you. Uh, uh, Paul Newman is now just George C. Scott, mm-hmm. and then we're going to see Tom Cruise run with it. Right. Almost to the point that I was expecting Newman to be like the bad guy. Right. Uh, exactly. In some way. Uh, but seeing how this plays out and seeing actually the lead that Newman takes, I've realized I'm ha- so happy it went that direction. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm really happy. It's more of a fanfare for it. And that's where I say it's um, it, it kind of surprised me how modern this felt as a sequel, uh, like we would see uh, in a, a sequel revival of, yeah. of many films. Sure, yeah. So uh, let's go ahead. <laughs> And talk about Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, because, oh my dear God, is he so Tom Cruise in this. Like, wow. Believe it or not, I would say in ways he equally saves and ruins the film for me. Uh, story-wise, uh, I didn't, in the beginning, I didn't really love the dad role Newman played. Okay. And that it felt almost like he was like kind of forced into it a tiny bit. Especially when I just wanted to see more of Fast Eddie on its own. So that's where I like where the story goes. Uh, So often, Cruz was the energy in scenes and moving things forward. He was the momentum Mm -hmm. in scenes of we get introduced to whatever the scene is. They walk into the pool hall. They're trying to establish a a hustle. Tom Cruise was something that was like, okay, I I don't know what's going to come out of this guy's mouth. I don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) Sometimes he's doing karate moves. Okay, one thing sometimes. When you told me you were watching these movies, I cannot <laughs> wait. I almost wanted to text you or waiting from a text from you. Yeah. Five minutes into this film and out of nowhere, Tom Cruise is playing Kung Fu <laughs> with, with his pool cue. Yes. And I can only imagine you're like, oh my God, here we go. Uh, it really was. And that's where I was like... I mean, I was laughing out loud. Like, <laughs> right, I think the good news here is that this is very iconic, Tom Cruise. If you're a Tom Cruise fan, guess what? Yeah. You got a great movie to watch. But yeah, that's that's where it was... Uh, <laughs> that's at least the positive positive side on the other hand he's just he's just in full asshat mode he's just i mean he's the most punchable man i've ever seen every bar he is in no less the spin of a hustle possibly getting you know discovered i'm so surprised he does not get his ass kicked in this film not well he once. almost does right i needed his ass kicked <laughs> I, I a bloody needed... lip <laughs> right right great scene great scene right right, right. 
I don't know. I, I it, would, it might sound like a backhanded compliment, but I would say casting Cruz is great because it really just feels like him, and I think that does share mm. my love of the hustler that Newman felt appropriate for like a 1961 pool hall. Cruz feels very appropriate for these rundown yeah. bars and pool halls that are past their glory and now are these like blues graveyards yeah. almost yeah, at times. Yeah, yeah when, when it comes down to it, I, I think it's a real toss up for me recommending this because it, I think it entirely depends on how much you tolerate Tom Cruise. Okay. And Prime Cruise. And Prime Cruise. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I would say, like I said, you know, this is a true sequel for Eddie, and Newman following up uh, in a substantial way for this character is what's important. Between the mix of nostalgia and Eddie returning to his throne as the best, you know, in a lot of ways, this had me thinking of Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Structure-wise, huh. we are given a chance to reacclimate to the character, and eventually we see him rise to fill the legend we know him to be as the audience. The story lays down a new energy to the game, however, uh, less emphasis on crime, most importantly. While the principles of his hustle still work, like I said in the last review, this is a lot more official spin. I feel like both of these films are described as sports dramas, which yeah. I agree with both. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the sports side is more emphasized here, especially with uh, uh, you know a big official tournament right, being the final right. destination. It's... Gambling is still there, yeah. but um, you know, not to overpraise uh, Tevin, the writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not yeah, to not to overpraise Tevis, but when when it comes to the naming of these stories, I think it's very important that kind of separation. Though it's really not about the hustle anymore. Okay, um, I, it plays a really strong part, though. It does. It it's does. A, it's there. It yeah. is omnipresent. Right. Right. I just feel like it's. It really comes down to just more official billiards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the sport has been cleaned up uh, from '61. Right. You yeah. Know? Uh, even though gambling is part of it, just how gambling probably is more prevalent than ever. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in real sports, I, I like like we talked about. Newman wins the Oscar for this, and uh, like I said, I, I feel like my I don't know the warm and fuzzy feeling I get from the that type of story is that Fast Eddie is recognized uh, as really a great character, yeah. and Newman's yeah. performance is recognized by such a stellar performance. So it really is, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Marty a little bit. Uh, you know, I think there's some real slick shots here, uh, yeah. And yeah. the visuals play into presenting billiards in a more exciting way. What did you think, actually? Uh, so I thought again, one main disagreement I think we'll have about this mm -hmm. is I I would not put this in Martin Scorsese's kind of B slot oh, okay. films. Okay, uh, I went into it thinking that mm. I thought that's what we were gonna get. Sure, sure. And to be honest with you, uh, as the movie went along and, and after it, after watching it again, mm. uh, I put this up there with uh, my favorite Marty, honestly. Wow. I, I, I'm shocked to say it, shocked wow. to see it. And you're, you are... We need to watch Goodfellas again. <laughs> we, well, no, 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 just because I put him in the A slot. The, oh, Goodfellas right, right. is... Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying this In is, the A tier. Yeah, in the A tier. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying the number one best okay, film. Okay, But if there's five movies that I consider in Marty's A tier, yes. then put that. You know, yeah. even Irishman I'll put in B. That's fine. Okay, fair. Um, but as I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you would say like a Raging Bull goes into A. Absolutely. And then that's that's how I'm looking at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought, and just it being him still going, I mean, I think Marty's is in like his late 40s or early 50s when directing this. Mm. Like we see him as a young director mm. if it's a Marty picture in the 80s. Yeah. Not the case. No, like, you know no, what I mean. Yeah. The dude has um, some experience behind him in directing. What I would say with when you're saying 
it doesn't go maybe you want to say, it doesn't go full Marty. There's mm. things maybe missing from it or things that we're so used to Marty or how he can be on film post mm-hmm. Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. There is a more simplicity to it. Sure. But some of those shots are great. Yeah. There's things in here where it's like, this is Martin Scorsese. Sure. You know, this is a good movie in the eighties, yeah, which yeah. we are lackluster on the eighties. Absolutely. That's kind of where I sit with that. Yeah. I think uh well, uh, my question is more so apples to apples. Which presentation of billiards? Like, we're talking about these both about pool. Uh, which is better? Because, you know, I, I think Marty has a lot more slick editing, but sometimes it's just about the wide shot of two guys yeah. playing the pool and letting them act it out, you know? Um, and, and honestly, besides the critique of it, which did you prefer uh, as far as it being, you know, uh, more as, as far as the billi- as far yeah. as which movie did I like more? Uh, no, no, the pool itself, the billiards itself. Honestly, oh man, that's a really tough question for me. I, I think it's color of money for me, uh, just because <sighs> it, it's more digestible, it's more slick. The thing that gets me is that for is the first forty minutes though, just like you said, mm. in the Hustler, where it's right. him and Fats Eddie playing for like over twenty four hours yep. or over twenty hours. Yep. Um, you are watching pool and getting lessons from like some guys that knew how to play. <laughs> right, like uh, that really knew how to play. Right, so that simplicity of the hustler uh, boils down to the essence of like learning. You're watching pool. You're yeah. watching billiards. Sure. There's a lot more flash and color of money, mm-hmm. which maybe takes away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it make me, you know, cinematic wise, makes it a better film mm. uh, potentially, but. Uh, man, that's... Why do you say Color of Money? Is uh, it because... Uh, really? Uh, it boils down to I love the tracking shots of the balls. When when we get real close on the breaks yes. and we follow the balls yeah, into okay. the hole, it's simple, but I feel like that... Uh, it see, sells the impact of how strong these guys are breaking the initial, you know. The you're getting hole. a close up on the technique instead of the old school wide shot exactly. in '61. Where yeah. it, certainly good for performances, this I feel like we hone in on the sport again. You know, I mean, I feel right. like this the, is more about billiards than than okay, you know, in right. a lot of ways. Yeah. So where hustlers more about kind of gambling and crime. That's and, true too. That there is that other one. Yep. So uh, and, and those tracking shots, I think, are, are incredibly fun. Um, you know, the editing, the breaks, it, it's. It's so thunderous uh, and has impact, and I feel like Marty's um, filmmaking is really on great display there. Uh, my absolute favorite shot, though, is a one scene where Eddie runs out of the bar and Cruz is chasing after him. Uh, unknown to us, the camera is mounted to Eddie's Cadillac and shifts from you know the shot of the bar into the car and then pulls away with the car, yeah. Cruz running after him. Uh, just uh, If you decide to watch this movie, folks, just keep an eye out for that one because... It's a simple oneer. It's yeah. not. It's not. You know anything. You know even technically brilliant. It's clearly just they put that camera on the front of the Cadillac. <laughs> you know? But it just, just, just quality, quality shot there. I agree with that. That's funny. Maybe just even you saying that, I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not noticeably thinking about it while watching. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was most kind of saying like, oh, this is a really good movie. I love mm-hmm. this. It's really when there's probably. Maybe three times, two specifically, and one especially towards the end at Mm -hmm. the competition. There is a dance going on with one camera and then whoever it is playing pool, Mm, Um, whether it be Newman going. So, you know, you you hit one, you get one in the pocket and you keep going. And one specifically towards the end, it is an absolute dance of Newman and the cameraman as Newman's making his shots. And the two of them working around the table together. Yep. Really beautiful stuff. Yeah, really good. Uh, Could have watched that for an hour. Uh, yeah, and that's why I think this wins out because it it captures the electricity of like, oh, he's popping off. He's yeah. getting everything yes. in. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah. And I feel like that's where the more modern spin is. Uh, yeah, I agree better with that. For the I agree with that. It, so, 
but yeah, I, I think really it comes down to how you see the tension towards the end. Like I said, no spoilers with the the big movements of the story, but the end is more of an official tournament. Uh, I, I feel this plays into everything that we've been saying so far. Billiards being more the focus, sport it, more, more filling into its sports drama uh, a genre pairing, uh, and uh, overall that big tournament being a display of a lot of skill sets. No, yeah. uh, no less just Vincent and and Fast Eddie. Uh, I think the stakes are there. This official spin to it is where I feel like I I, I don't want to say it fizzled for me. Uh, because that's not it was still just as gripping. Right. I just I kind of wanted again more of an evil spin. I wanted maybe even if it would have been campy, some sort of mishap to happen. John Totoro is a great example of a character that is set up maybe to you know be oh, like come a, back come, yeah, yeah like a worm tonguey you know like he's a bastard. Um, Could have brought George C. Scott back. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was still alive. Right, right. <laughs> but I, I do like that. You wanted more of an adversary. Exactly. Yeah. Where I feel like. In an equally good way, just maybe not for my taste personally, this is a kind of a, a, a celebration, a triumph for Fast Eddie. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like as a sequel, that checks a box in what I'm suggesting wouldn't check it. Okay. So uh, my best recommendation here is to see this as that direct sequel, for instance, um, uh, for that exact reason that it's about continuing Eddie's story in a meaningful way rather than revisiting an era of the game that was a little rougher around the edges but truly is not the game anymore. It's uh, telling his story as evolving uh, with the character and telling the story of the evolving game of billiards. We're going to go ahead and give The Color of Money a 73. Well, oh, whoa, <laughs> whoa. You thought... <laughs> okay, really falling down here. 73%. It's a good movie. No, oh, no, absolutely. 73 is a good movie. <laughs> this is Tom Cruise. He does karate one more time. <laughs> so, uh, it's, so is it okay if I could just have my note? You I just, got it. I have Go it down for it. Sentences. So that's how my mind, <laughs> sure. mind goes. Uh, one thing I need to point out. Yeah. I doubt that this is planned, but it's it's very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, your shirt that you were wearing across the table. <laughs> did you do that purposely? No. And you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing a Doom shirt. and uh, The video game Doom. Yeah, the video game Doom. And uh, also where I believe the original yes. uh, guys got so there's Doom. A, there's a shot where uh, Tom Cruise has his billiards case or yeah. his, his pool cue case. And somebody goes, what do you got in there? And Tom Cruise opens it up and goes, Doom. Yeah. And apparently the video game Doom got the name yeah. from that scene. Yeah, like John Carmack and whatnot. Right, right. Because yeah, so. the guy wanted to see the case of the video game and say, what's in there? Doom. Doom, yeah. Uh, very <laughs> funny. Not, not planned? No, I swear to God, wow. not planned. Okay, very good. <laughs> this was more of a lazy shirt to throw on <laughs> to get my ass over here. Um, okay, so, so this is kind of what I have. And honestly, it's funny that you ended The Hustler with the question of what do you actually think of today's audiences going back and, mm, and watching it? Sure. And this maybe ties into that a little bit. Yeah. What I have here is basically The Hustler is like owning a 1960s Buick. <laughs> uh, being in it is an incredible step back in time. It feels simple, beautiful. It feels like there's a soul to the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might even find yourself saying, why don't they make up like this anymore? <laughs> uh, but after actually having it as a daily driver, it tends to show its problems and its age. Uh, the nostalgia wears off and the car starts to feel burdensome. Mm. Uh, 15 minutes into the color of money and you realize you stepped out of the 1960s Buick and got into a modern, finely tuned, reliable sports car. And for two hours straight, you're taken for a high-speed ride that doesn't ever stop or disappoint. It's true. 
The movie doesn't make your head spin or anything crazy. Uh, it doesn't stress you out like watching Henry Hill on a coked-out bender running errands <laughs> as helicopters follow him in Goodfellas. Right. I said, but instead, Martin Scorsese, along with an outstanding Paul Newman, uh, they take you for a ride of feeling engaged. You are impressed and loving every minute of the ride. Yeah. Uh, this movie... It's not perfect, mm-hmm. and especially after watching it two and a half times, basically, um, there's holes in it a bit. And actually, there's there's an aspect towards the end which I wish was kind of bled out a little bit more mm, for the okay. audience to see and kind of get a better idea of what was actually going on mm. in the background of something. And I you know, can't really talk about it more than that without sure, getting the spoilers. Sure. But you know, it can have its flaws. Uh, still, this movie shocked me with how good it is. It was I, I couldn't believe. How acceptable I found Tom Cruise in the role as okay. Tom Cruise as he is. Right, he is. <laughs> I think something about the, him seeing his origins. You know, yeah. this is his next film after Top Gun. Very young brat, mm. kind of. Mm-hmm. But to see him in this role and not have that, he doesn't feel like he has that Tom Cruise stench on him. He doesn't have the baggage oh, okay. of Tom Cruise. Sure, you know this. You know, not we're, jumping we're, on Oprah's couch. We are decades <laughs> away of Oprah's couch. <laughs> Uh, everything about this worked. I truly love this movie. Even though it does have some flaws, this gets two shoes, two laces. Whoa! This is it. I mean, this, this, this is laced up. This is laced up. High boot. That is, uh, <laughs> it's not that many Tommy two shoes with the two shoes and the two laces. This gets it. I love that. And I'm so glad. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly was questioning which one was uh, the best sports movie for you. <laughs> and this one. This yeah. is my, I think this is absolutely is my favorite sports movie. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I'm the biggest connoisseur of sports sure, movies, but sure. I watched my fair share of... I like us calling heads or tails on this, though, because who the hell is giving a damn about all these sports movies? We did the baseball episode, this now. People didn't care about the baseball. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we haven't, there's a lot of sports stuff we haven't touched. <laughs> I mean, plenty, plenty of football stuff like radio and stuff, yeah, which true. I do love, and Rudy, which we both don't like. Um, <laughs> but this is my favorite sports movie. I absolutely love it. After this, now is Major League. Um <laughs> What what a list. What a list. Um, <laughs> you asked me if I'm mad about the 86 on The Hustler. Absolutely not. The 73 on The Color She's of Money. Mad. You know, well, you know, you know. Right in. Um, <laughs> you know. No, there's, I don't know. I, there's nothing else I can say. I freaking love this movie. That's great. Two shoes, two laces all the way. <laughs> I'm sending great. it. This movie runs. I feel like if, if, if it's anything that's keeping out of maybe we'll call it high 70s, is it's, it all comes down to Cruise. Uh, but that's fine. That's I, fine. I like what you're saying though that he's it's pre cruise. It's it is, know, and yeah. it feels pre cruise. Yeah. If I, I had I, more tolerance, maybe I'd dive more into those early <laughs> ones. There's actually a Ridley Scott movie we've been dying to check out. Producer Sean as well has been dying to check out is uh, Legend, uh, Ridley Scott's third film, and it's one of Tom Cruise's earliest, if not, I think, right, yeah, like one or two, like his second film. So. We should probably check some of that stuff out. Um, okay, okay, so that's that's a long, it's a long four four movies this episode. Long episode. Four. That's why we did four. That's why we cut Miller's Girl. Uh, excellent, Vin. I'm so glad we watched those two together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and really, I thought you would have. I thought you knew how much I love Color of Money. I I did. <laughs> I guess it, it really it's it's Tom Cruise. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's a smokescreen. Well, we both agree on the Newman part. Then I mean, yeah, boy, yeah. 
Uh, and also, quick shout out to um, oh, I forget her oh, name. Oh, she's very good. Uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Master something. Yeah, playing Carmen. Tough, yeah, uh, she's gonna be in Scarface as well. She plays the sister to uh, ah. to uh, Al Pacino. Okay, so we'll beautiful too. Boy, yeah. they really yeah. <laughs> right. uh, okay. Oh, what a great scene when he. Uh, when he basically lays down the law. You kind of think of which uh, ways you're going to take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then he takes it and it's yeah. just like, what a pro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a Newman pro. wins. <laughs> this is the episode that Newman wins. <laughs> which is just like, the, it has been known for the past 70 right, years. We're, we're late. You know. <laughs> Happy to be here, though. Happy oh. to be on the... Happy to be on the Paul Newman train. Right. Love that salad dressing. <laughs> uh, okay. So the color of money, 73%, and uh, it gets two shoes, two laces. Lace stop. Not easy to well get. Well deserved. Not oh, easy to get. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's just keep it moving then, folks. We got to joke. Oh, God. What a, what, a, what a turn we're taking. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be quick with, I'll quicker with these. <laughs> take, as, take as long as you need for our next man. Uh, we're stepping back into 1981, folks. This is our Brian De Palma study, because last week, Wade Vin did this, four movies. Movies right in a row, one year after mm, another. Yes. Last week we covered Dress to Kill, and this week we are covering John Travolta in Blowout. Mm-hmm. Vin, set it up a little bit for us, and how did you like this Brian De Palma film? Uh, well, yeah, uh, one year after Dress to Kill, and he's already back with one of the biggest stars at the time, John Travolta. Of course, Travolta's coming off of Saturday Night Fever and Grease. Uh, yeah. So this is hard to say into like the marketing of these stars back in the day, but I feel like this is maybe a break into more serious, this being a thriller, suspense type of thing. Uh, and originally, I thought this was going to be a totally different type of movie, both by like the poster of it, and I thought it was even going to be the twist, like halfway watching into the film, uh, that it's more about Travolta, kind of like an, an anger thriller, a rage thriller. Mm. Uh, not the case at all. Uh, and after watching this, I feel like I finally get the building title of De Palma being this master macabre. Uh, he really is trying to make these suspense thrillers, and I think in the early 80s, uh, he's he's the one to probably just do it the best, okay. basically. So. And I will say, like, do more research on this film, mm. because it was such a, such a just a, a head-turner, mm. you know, yep. dressed to kill. Yep. Um, just reading the basic synopsis plot to this mm-hmm. movie, I really like it. I yep. like the setup to how we get going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and I think uh, De Palma, just writing-wise is playing into his skill set a little bit more uh, instead of writing about, you know, uh, whatever Dress to Kill is about. Uh, it's it's about, like, filmmaking, and that plays into the thriller itself of it. So, uh, Blowout is still very much into this uh, neo-noir thriller uh, where the suspense comes from pulp-style killings. Um, this is very much... Uh, um, you could describe it as kind of a pulp movie for how blown out the style is. Uh, and unlike our last film, the story you know centers on something actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, if you didn't listen to last uh, last week's episode, uh, Just to Kill really wasn't doing it for either of us. <laughs> so even after speaking on the episode, I I, I was like. I was a little bit more positive on this, you know, getting into getting into this film this week, and 
then I just really just thought of the experience that Dress to Kill was. I was like, no, that's yeah. not. <laughs> Thank God that got this. I did get it. nervous when I saw basically we had that same freaking cast. Yeah, basically. I was like, what are we doing here? It's almost like, hey, we just wrapped, guys. Uh, <laughs> can I get you for in, another? Yeah, can I just walk across the parking lot? We're already setting up on the other film here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Travolta plays an audio engineer named Jack um, who uh, does the sound effects or foley on B-horror movies uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, one night while recording ambience in a park, he is witness to a suspicious car crash that the tire blowing out sends the vehicle diving into a lake nearby. Uh, Jack acts right away to save Nancy Allen uh, from the sinking car, uh, a repeat casting from Dress to Kill. Uh, but despite his heroics, there seems to be a cover-up happening around the accident. Jack then spirals down a rabbit hole of conspiracy and stitching together the truth uh, the only way he knows how, through the audio equipment that captured the blowout in the first place. I would say my praise here, I mean, it makes perfect sense why Tarantino likes this after watching this. Also, I'll clarify on Tarantino's exact quote. He calls it a desert island film and in his top three of all time. So I I think maybe that even ranks higher than than best of the 80s, you know? So, I don't understand. Yeah, I Some don't of his picks are just out of... Out of. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> he really is. You know, the whole technical angle here around sound and film equipment makes perfect sense uh, why Tarantino has this hard-on for it. Um, you know, his, his praise for De Palma clearly shows that this is a movie for anyone familiar with movie making, especially pre-digital, uh, if you have a fascination in that. Uh, and the kind of the technical side of it, I feel like this is a good recommendation as well. I mean this in a good way, too. The technology of recording equipment informs and drives the mystery forward. Uh, many times, uh, Travolta problem solves in the story, in the mystery of this, through his film production know-how. Uh, and not once does he act outside of this character. This is a much better script and story for this reason, because I feel like the Palma is just writing from the chest. He's writing about what he knows about. Right, yeah, um, yeah. And using that to craft a mystery that progresses uh, realistically with the characters. In past reviews, I've always praised when characters operate within the role they were written. Uh, Jurassic Park always comes to mind as the... Kind of the principal mm, yeah. principal example. They are scientists. They are not superheroes, <laughs> unlike <laughs> Jurassic World and, and the spinoffs. Uh, but uh, I think this hits exactly the same sweet spot. Travolta's character Jack is an audio te- technician. Right. Not once does he do anything other than audio technician work. So I think I think that's where this this really works and gives a praise and also kind of solves the mystery of what Tarantino is is coming off of <laughs> speaking out of his ass on. <laughs> On the other hand, I can safely say between this film and last film, I hate Nancy Allen's acting. (laughs) Um, In Dress to Kill, I I thought it might just be the odd tone of the film that it took, but now I know it's her. Uh, Oh, yeah. 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 uh, She is really just the worst. Um, (laughs) Acting almost like a a mental child here, despite Mm. her character filling a similar role as this streetwise prostitute. Um, she plays another prostitute. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, and maybe not like a prostitute. Uh, more like a call girl, because uh, like, it's you know it's okay. uh, more of a a luxury angle, if you will, because the, the... high class hooker. <laughs> there you go. Okay. There you go. 
<laughs> I just feel like, despite the streetwise spin, she adds nothing to the story. <laughs> and and the logic she has, it, it's like, have you lived in this city? Have you lived in 81 Philadelphia? I mean, this is unreal. You know, really, worst of all, this the logic of this character is just so backwards and so frustrating. On the back of the mm. same note of praise that I have for De Palma writing a sharper script about what he knows about, in just the same way this female character then falls short, which is almost identical it's to It's almost what, identical. Yeah. You, could, you could almost say that the best part about Dress to Kill was the kid. Yeah, Peter, right, or whatever right. his name was. Sure, yeah. I'm almost wondering, just like watching this, listening to this, I wonder if... De Palma made this movie 10 years later, used the same actor as the kid, <laughs> and had him in John Travolta's thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Because in right. the first one, he's all about audio. He's all about video. Yes. Using his video camera yes, that he right. made. You know what I mean? I can see him as a sound technician. Yeah. But very similar characters of you have this guy focusing on sound, good mm-hmm. at what he does, before you had kid focused on his audio equipment. Both or, kind of or, rising to heroics. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I think that's a great And read. apparently Nancy Allen playing an idiot. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, you know, all I'm going to say, folks, or the last note, I already said a lot <laughs> about Nancy Allen, is I, I don't want to dig up one of my more controversial reviews from earlier in the podcast, Ooh. but her inclusion in RoboCop makes perfect sense oh. to me now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she's in all the RoboCops. So a real surprise here mm-hmm. is John Lithgow. Yeah, good or bad. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. Why are you uh, surprised at that? I, I don't you know, know lo- anything beside him singing Inchworm. You know what I mean? I don't. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay with that. I, I had a CD for that for of him sing Inchworm. That kid, yeah. and it's just like right, who is yeah. this guy? And then I got older, and I was like, oh, he's actually played actor. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. He's played some such thing. Yeah, he played the dad or the grandpa in Interstellar, and then, oh, that's right. But you look go through his IMDb, and it's just like, oh, this guy's in a ton. Yes, uh, definitely a, a, a working man's actor for yeah. sure. Uh, and um, I'm assuming playing the protagonist here or playing the bad guy. No, no, no. He's yeah, he's the assassin. He's the uh, um, he's the antagonist but the antagonist really more so is like this conspiracy that's unfolding okay all right um it, it's uh jack is is kind of man versus this cover-up really yeah um, jack being john Travolta. Yeah. yes yes lithgow is just a super cool assassin it's just it's just okay. sugar on top okay, basically gotcha. it's it's he's the cherry on top of this film uh it's a big surprise because you know both the casting and the quality of his performance lithgow at the time in 81 i don't think is really anyone super notable um but also it's it's one of those peculiar castings that just sells an assassin character. Uh, just kind of, you see him and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, who's that? And then the the, the action of the, uh, of the of the role uh, sets in. I really do think he just operates as this perfect tool of the shadow powers pulling the strings and, and, and quickly he runs out of control of his handlers. I think the best part of this is how his involvement unfolds. Uh, it's really unclear who the hell this guy is for a big stretch. And then like dominoes, something, mm. he says something in a, in a phone booth and you're just like, oh, it's been, oh my God, it's, it's him. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. I would say it comes nowhere close in comparison to the quality of this, but it, it just to give you a, a gauge of where this assassin coolness is coming from is Lithgow really conjures what's so amazing in No Country for Old Men in the chilling character of Anton Chigurh. Wow. That you just don't know what he's going to do next. And okay. 
okay. clearly has plans that are not really revealed to us, yeah. you know? Honestly, I mean, that really sets uh, an image. I know who we're dealing with now. Right, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> so, And especially how he kind of turns on his handlers as well. To in bring a in way. like a 90s movie or late 80s movie, I mm-hmm. forget when, uh, what about John Malkovich in that Clint Eastwood film where he oh, plays a psychopath a little uh, bit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, an interesting point because both kind of share some political vibes with that. Right, yeah. Um, why can't I think of that? Uh, in the, in line the Line of Fire. fire. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Folks, sometimes we take a moment to look that up. That was a real <laughs> that was a real moment that, that, that Tom and I both had the light bulb. I, I would say the takeaway for the study so far is just more split screen work for De Palma. Mm. Uh he just can't get enough of it. Uh and if I'm being honest here, I well, you know, I like respecting classics. I like, you know, not shaking the boat too much on, you know, a movie that probably no one cares about in a long time. <laughs> I just feel like praising him using split screen just feels like a no duh. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of being real there. Uh, I feel like. The praise I have for his use of split screen is that he's always double loading story elements. Um, we're either getting news footage, uh, building the world, and then seeing a character, or even sometimes talking is happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example of this is when Travolta is recording audio. We get that split screen down the middle of what he's recording up close and personal. Uh, so I, I think the praise I have there is this double-dose storytelling uh, that is played out simultaneously on screen. But I, I got to be honest, I'm not like you know overly enthusiastic about him just using split screen in right. general. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Especially in, by watching it. in modern day, I don't feel impressed by it. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, one side of this, is, and I think is a very much a precursor to what we're going to be getting into, and hopefully for uh, the last movie, Body Double as well, is just really good music here. It's not quite at the level of Scarface just yet, but it was really whetting my appetite for this 80s crime mm-hmm. feel, uh, and definitely even some Michael Mann my- vibes uh, as well, uh, as far as early in his career. So did this live up to the hype? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think overall... No, <laughs> but I feel like it could hit for anyone that has a passing interest in making movies and having a thriller around that. You know, having that twisted into a semi-political suspense thriller uh, made for a good watch. But once again, like I said with Dress to Kill, I, I don't think these hold a candle to thrillers, especially among a genre that is peppered with must watches. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, I feel like the bar for a really good suspense thriller is very high. Uh, and watching in modern day, you have a mm, plethora yeah. of options. Mm-hmm. Um, this one being decent, uh, but not making making the cut in a in a significant way. Folks, get ready for next week, though, because we are watching Scarface, but looking to be the highlight <laughs> of the study. Yeah. Um, Such you know, a big film compared to these two as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These two films are very contained, mm-hmm. Dress to Kill and this blowout. Yeah. Uh, boy, talk about like a... A switch. Yeah. Yeah. In money, production, everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and really, I encourage, uh, you know, spoiler alert, it's a good movie. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to be positive on Scarface, and it is rated on the site already but give it a watch whether you have or you haven't because uh like i said it's looking to be the peak of the De Palma study for better or worse uh we're gonna go ahead and give blowout a 64 
Okay, 64. Uh, what do we get dressed to kill? I think 46. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which, I think, uh, yeah, I think it was in the 40s, if I'm correct. Yeah, 46, exactly yeah. right, which which I totally agree with. Uh, okay, so he's stepping up his game a little bit with the 64. Uh, two questions, really. Mm. Uh, one one thing we didn't talk about last week was the cop in Dressed to Kill, played by Dennis France, <laughs> was the most outrageous detective slash cop ever. Right. I mean, the lines out of his face so had me laughing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Had me laughing. <laughs> Uh, again, the actor is Dennis France. He's in this movie. Yep. Uh, as ridiculous as uh, just playing a, a character. Uh, maybe not ridiculous because he seemed like a criminal as a cop in the last yes. one. Now he's just a criminal. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> so gotcha, maybe gotcha. he shuffled around. And in a lot of ways, I feel like this film just is everything in Dress to Kill working for itself. Okay. You know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah. working right now. Uh, not that it makes it amazing, but at least it's you know yeah, yeah, yeah. better functioning. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, last. Okay, and then last question, of course, is this a good Philly film? <laughs> no. Does it show the city well? Does he, do you feel like you're in Philadelphia? No, it's Does a it... Philly hit piece, especially <laughs> the political angles. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So no, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll save that. I, that's a compilation for the site. Oh, <laughs> that's gonna be a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, and a mega multi-part. Uh, yeah. specials too uh, okay Vince so 64% for blowout stay tuned like you said folks for next week when we cover mm-hmm. Scarface which uh, we're expecting good things there um, okay folks so before we move on to our last film Origin just want to remind people that we are totally producer supported uh, the daily ratings is so uh, what that means is when you financially support the daily ratings you become a producer a legit producer uh, of the daily ratings just like in Hollywood when you financially support a project, you become a producer of that thing. So how you become a producer is you go to the dailyratings.com, you head over to the donations tab, and like I said, you donate whatever amount uh, that you want. We have some set donations, whether you, you buy Vin a movie ticket or become a Godfather donation, like fun sets of donations, but also we have the value for value donation. That is whatever amount you want to send in. It's not a set number. Uh, so whether it's $4, whether it's $40 or 400 bucks, mm-hmm. uh, you can go ahead and send that in. If you want to set up a, a monthly or a yearly, you can do that too. Again, it's as little or as small as you want. The idea behind the value for value donation is we're going off the value-for-value value model. Are you enjoying the podcast every week? Are you signed up to the newsletter that comes out every Tuesday morning or Monday night? You know, Are you into movies and that's why you're here? Are you listening to the episodes in full? Uh, do you just care about a movie here or there and you check in with us and you hang out for a little bit, listen to the movie, and that's it? Do you just enjoy hanging out with us for a week? You know, Do we make you laugh, cry, whatever? <laughs> cry, yeah, plenty of tears. And, <laughs> for yeah, Color of Money getting uh, right. 73. <laughs> <laughs> But the idea is that is value in your pocket. We ask, can you give us value back in our pocket? Uh, and that's why it's called the value for value model. Uh, I was listening to – there's a very famous uh, movie podcast. Okay. I, I won't mention the name. I do listen to it sometimes. It can be good. Oh, okay. They operate off of like a tier structure. So they do – our donation stuff just runs off of PayPal. You just mm-hmm. send money our way. That's it. We don't deal with Patreon. Because mm-hmm. Patreon mm-hmm. is a tier structure where if you give us a little bit, we give you a little extra content. Sure, you sure. You give us this much and you give us this much content. Um, and this podcast kept on talking about like if you're in the highest tier, mm-hmm. all the benefits that you get. And it's like they actually – it's it's way worked into the show, mm. and it's so much money to be in that upper tier <laughs> really? to be more a part of the show. 
it's not that's not cool. Like the way this works is, you know, five dollars might be a lot of money to you this week. Sure. Or maybe yeah. it's just like you don't have that much money to give, especially for a podcast. Right. Uh why like what are you gonna give five hundred bucks to get some extra content and to like be involved? <laughs> right. It's not be on that a Discord that server right. or something like that. Um Yeah, it's know. flexible. Uh it's making sure that uh, however uh you are appreciating our product, you can you can show that whatever works for you. Exactly. You know, whatever's and, appropriate as well. And that's why it's whatever amount of value you want to send our way. And so Vin and I are providing the value here. And technically, it's all free. It's all here for you. Uh, but if you could throw us back some value, uh, we definitely appreciate it. When you do donate, though, when you send money our way, the cool thing is you can send in a donation note, whether it's through a little PayPal box or you can email us at tom.vin at thedailyratings.com. Uh, you email a donation note in, and it could be questions, it could be comments, it could be critiques. And because you're, I mean, if you're going to financially support the show, be a producer of the daily ratings, that matters to us. And in this segment right here, this is the producer segment. We're going to read that note, whether it be questions, comments, critiques, spark conversation a little bit, mm. ask us anything. That can kind of be that segment, sure. you know? That's kind of how we're doing it here. It's, again, no tier structures, no paywalls, and uh, certainly no advertising, no useless ads on the site you're going to get from us. That's kind of how we're structuring ourselves. A little bit different from some of the other guys. We didn't invent the value-for-value model for sure, but I think and hope to see a lot more people doing this because, man, Mm -hmm. so did that other movie one. I just couldn't believe. Mm, Not everyone has $500 to be more involved with, with the podcast. and. They actually give great access, and it's like they become part of polls and stuff like that. And oh, so it's like, it's, wow. We don't need that. It's just, you know, Matt D's been donating little amounts here or there. He had mm-hmm. a great idea, and we just took it and ran with Absolutely. it. You know? Absolutely. We're not going to make people just donate all this. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, it's a value-for-value value model. It's the dailyratings.com and head to the donations tab. All right, that's enough with all that. Vin, let's keep going to our newly released film. Yes. Uh, as we're in January and February, a little tough, you know, but, but new, <laughs> yeah. new flicks do come out, and this is getting some buzz, especially for acting performances. Uh, yes. Uh, so let's get into it. This is called origin i don't think it's all that well known as mm, far as like okay. a, a wide release film is, is concerned so mm-hmm. why don't you set it up for it a little bit sure uh, sure who directs it what's it about and how'd you like origin uh well i, I would say my my interest here was primarily for john bernthal acting wise he's just kind of one of those actors almost like earlier in the podcast where i was not like fixated on adam driver but i wanted to give him more of shots yeah. uh, and watch more movies with him bernthal is kind of falling into that for me he's not in this that much so uh, <laughs> you know oh. it's kind of the it's, trailer he, makes it seem like he's in right he's, he's he's yeah he's, he's absolutely <laughs> big supporting role uh not the case um on, on the bad end of this i really wasn't thrilled by a director ava du- duvernay um her last feature being 2018's blunder a wrinkle in time uh but uh, it's january so we got to watch some <laughs> and I, I feel like there are a lot of strengths to this. Um, luckily, it's a very strong story. And while I felt the filmmaking itself was rather plain, uh, it has a ambitious message to convey. And if anything, around that story itself, I think that's where I kind of have a almost a secondary recommendation. Origin is a biopic equally about the author and the subject of her book. Uh, This Mm. is based off of the real story of the author writing her bestseller and in so many ways feels like a non-fiction American fiction. Uh, We covered American fiction a couple episodes ago. Honestly, I had to resist in in writing the review of over-comparing it to American fiction. Really? Because even how structure-wise, how... 
drama, tragedy is layered, and then project is almost backloaded mm-hmm. to it, the writing project. It really, I mean, it feels very close to American fiction. Wow. Uh, both good and can share some of that praise of switching things up of how this happens as a drama. In this movie, we follow Pulitzer Prize writer uh, Isabel Wilkerson, uh, played by Anjanui Ellis, uh, who oh, nice. recently... <laughs> totally the first time I did that. <laughs> who recently came off the Color Purple remake and uh, who we oh, wow, saw okay. on, the po- on the podcast with They Must Watch If Beale Street Could Talk. Definitely excited to see her in this role. I think it was a good performance. Uh, again, all of my critique is more so towards the filmmaking itself. Uh, and I don't want to beat up on uh, DuVernay too much, but uh, that that's really, just to lay it down, that's where my, my gripes are. Okay. Uh, we set her, set her on a transformative time in her life as several tragedies push her deeper into her work and overcome a writer's block. Once again, American fiction. The film examines multiple historic scenarios around systemic racism and prejudice as... She begins to untangle a mess that seemingly has no answers. The interest is spawned by the 2012 case around Trayvon Martin's death and sparks the inspiration to tackle a much broader story, a much broader topic than simply just racism. You know, I want to praise the wide breadth of the story here. Uh, This is chasing after something far beyond than what I just expected it to be. Uh, I would go so far even to say that after watching this, I have a passing interest in reading the book itself as well. Okay. Because I feel like it, it has such an interesting angle. I just really feel like the movie of it, the book becoming a movie but also being semi-biopic, it just kind of loses what is so great about this premise. Uh, So Hmm. that's where I kind of say almost a side recommendation. I have a passing interest in the book. This movie, not so much, though. In a very positive way, this is after injustice itself uh, and how it often rots the core of many cultures and time periods in human history. In actuality, uh, the topic of Wilkerson's book is not about skin color at all. It's really more about a caste system and how hierarchy is often manufactured by our fellow man. This is also where the real book gets its name, Caste, the Origin of Our Discontent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like this broad, this broader stroke is so interesting and I was I wanted it to play into how a lot of good films about a research or a topic uh, have natural beats of tension in overcoming this. Mm, okay. Um, and I feel like this captures some of this, but my criticism really, uh, it falls on the filmmaking here, slipping into a type of trauma competition between characters and stories and, and ethnicity ethnicities in the film. Uh, it gets lost in a one-upsmanship of whose culture has the most grievances, and mm, I feel like okay. that's probably the worst thing this could have done. Yeah, yeah. do you think it... it- like take a step back and just cast a wider net on the book itself to cover more, like more I, I angles. Don't know. I, more... I think I'm coming from the angle that don't make it a movie at all. I feel like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like the exact line this gets wow, lost okay. in is in balancing the drama of Wilkerson's real life and then this this topic. And if anything, to my point about American fiction, we get all the time in the drama of the character 
we don't really ever read the book of the trash that he pumps out, you know? Very true, yeah. Uh, it we chooses got one quick side. scene. Yeah. In, uh, I saw this past weekend, by the way. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, quick thoughts? Um, uh, I liked it. Okay. I'm afraid that I went in overhyped. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so I was expecting it to be quicker and even wittier. Mm. And it was... I kind of get sad. So it bit. was a little bit slower than I thought. Yep. And not only that, you have... I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And then, oh man, what's his face? was nominated for Best Supporting. Uh, yeah, his brother, yeah. I was expecting more out of that performance, too. Sure, sure. Nominated, yeah. and so I just think I went in so hyped, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it, it felt like a a Venice Film Festival movie or a Sundance oh, Film Festival movie. You know, what okay. I mean? it didn't feel like an Oscar movie. It didn't feel mm. big enough for. I liked it. I liked sure, it. We don't sure. have to go on a full tangent. Yeah, yeah of no, it. no. I think. Oh, I, yes. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I guess I just I was overhyped about it, and because I was hearing so many good things about it. Of course, most mm. of all, your your review as well, mm-hmm. and then also just knowing. Knowing that it was a little bit comedic and quick and witty, mm. I was I love Jeffrey Wright so much when he's with um, uh, not Paul Thomas Anderson, um, Wes Anderson. Yeah, yes, <laughs> when he's with Wes Anderson because he was in two films, three films yeah, with yeah. Wes Anderson, and just the way he that quick and witty language, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, yeah. the way that flows, absolutely. And he's playing such a character within American fiction. He was playing such a normal guy, mm. and I felt like I was visibly watching Jeffrey Wright trying to act like a normal guy. Oh, interesting. And so it was tough for me. He was good in it. I sure. didn't feel like he really became the character, mm, in my opinion. It was, okay. it was Jeffrey Wright trying to be a character. Interesting. Okay. But enjoyed it. I don't want to say I didn't like it. Right, right. The overall flow, tempo, and dialogue of the film, I just thought was all going to be like amped up a little bit more. I think that overhype aspect, it's a very realistic thing as well that anyone kind of right. comes across when you hear all these nominations. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so. And I didn't think it was going to be such a real world thing. Mm, I thought it was going to be stepped true. out a little bit. and right. um, but- More satire. Correct, correct. Okay, yeah. But good and good performances, I guess just uh, not quite where I thought it was going to be. Sure, sure. And and the, the connected tissue and the tangent here, folks, is that, uh, again, I, I feel like, in, <laughs> not to overcompare these movies, but there's... If it's going to be about the drama, if it's going to be about the interpersonal tragedies, that that's, that's enough of a focus here. I feel like this movie splits its time between the very heavy... And, and serious topics of her book mm-hmm. that are, again, uh, something that captured my interest even within the story. Uh, I feel like what dragged was the uh, how some of that was presented and how the drama of her own life, Wilkinson's own life. Which right, yeah. I, I'm assuming this is all nonfiction, you know, as far as, you know, the tragedies that happened to her. We, we, we don't get closure one way or another. Yeah, would it be better if we pinpointed just one aspect? Yeah, exactly. And and just I was and maybe not in like a theatrical release movie. I, I hate to say it, but I feel like just the topic of her book would be fascinating for a documentary itself. I feel like oh, the, okay. the theatrical right. side to this was unneeded. I was surprised too because I knew it was a smaller film. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see it at two hours and twenty one minutes. Yeah, uh, that that to me feels long. And that's where uh, the film hard shifts into the pure academics of what she's studying, uh, the many stories that she's pulling from for this thesis. Right. Of, okay. Uh, you know, it's not about skin color; it's more about caste and and hierarchical structures to society. Mm-hmm. Again, all really good. But even when we get into that, uh, for like the last hour 
uh, and definitely dipping over that two-hour mark, uh, it, it plays out like a History Channel yeah, documentary. Not good. Not bad, but not good Not good theatrical. for movie making. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, now, admittedly, so, just circling back to some of this, um, again, <laughs> trauma competition that happens, admittedly, for the plot, that does add some messiness and some uncertainty into Isabel's thesis. You know, proving these trends are interconnected is the challenge and the tension. That is the mountain she has to climb for the story. Uh, but solving and overcoming them on screen just doesn't feel compelling. The movie of this is a, a wrong medium, uh, and I think it either unfolds too plain when mm. it comes to personal or too academic, where the last hour is certainly compelling as far as the evidence she's uncovering, but just delivered to us so dry and without drama, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you get that feeling where you watch a movie and it kind of just feels like this ought to be a play, not a movie. Sure. You know, and right. the fact that it's a book, it maybe should stay in the pages. Right. Yeah. In the pages or a documentary to, um, you know, expound upon, even even in episodic content, yeah. give the stories she uncovers, both personal accounts oh, and historic accounts. Netflix drama. Uh, right. Uh, give that its own episode to have it all hit. Um, it's so. a funny feeling, isn't it, when you're watching something and having that just kind of initial. Yeah just immediate reaction mm -hmm. towards like, ah, this doesn't work here. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's tough, just speaking honestly about it, because this is a topic, and especially the topic of the book, designed to be kind of open our eyes uh, and and broaden our understanding mm -hmm. of what maybe causes racism and prejudice. I'm not trying to come down on this. And again, I really do think that there is a, a good point to make. It's just that the medium is wrong is yeah. what the point I'm trying to make. Uh, back to my opening note, I, I did find, again, that filmmaking and the editing around the story just very bland. Uh, the film juggles a handful of flashbacks to both personal moments in Is Isabel's life, uh, as well as the hi these historical events uncovered through her research. Uh, but the main stretch of her research is just presented generically. It felt like a TV production, uh, even leaning towards kind of like a history documentary, and uh, if anything, I'm saying lean more into it. Uh, what is lost is the impact of Isabella's personal life. Even despite her own arc being about making her premise more human, it doesn't play out like that. It's actually kind of ironic that her challenge in this book is making these stories connect mm -hmm. to the readers. And I feel like this movie needed to have that challenge to kind of connect the tissue and make it theatrical. In a way, DuVernay could have learned a lot from the 2022 film Till, uh, which uh, mm. intentionally, we are not shown the crime, we are not shown the tragedy, which gives a platform for our lead to have a more emotional performance. Also, shout out to Danielle Deadweiler for the Tom Daly winner yep. that year. Yep. The point I'm trying to get across here, though, folks, is that visualizing the dehumanization communicates the the ethos of the history, why we care, why it is emotionally devastating, and why it's important for Wilkerson to, to dive into this as a topic, but it poorly tells the life story in its medium of a film. We're going to go ahead and give Origin a 55. Okay, 55%. Yeah. So, by the way, this was a 2023 release, because, and it just got a wide release. Oh, But okay. this was a Venice Film Festival. Oh, okay. And I feel like maybe it has that. Has Sometimes that they just feel. Yeah. You know, they just they just have that kind of film festival mm -hmm. feel, mm -hmm. and almost like that's where they belong. Right. You know? Important in topic, maybe just not 
you know, for a movie movie or a film. You right, know? right. Yeah. Okay, so 55%. I thought that was a great review, Vin. That was a really... Uh, yeah, a little bit I know, of, difficult. Yeah, it's yeah. difficult because uh, my point is not saying that... The, uh, the material Wilkerson is, point right. is not correct. Uh, if anything, again, uh, ex- explore that book, Cast, uh, The Origin of Our uh, Discontent. I think uh, it has a, a very compelling point to make. It's just all in the filmmaking here. Okay, so uh, I fi- appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one quick note, like watching the trailer, and I think I watched a couple trailers for this. Mm-hmm. Was there something unique about the cinematography? Did they go for a grainier, old school time kind of look, or no? I don't think so. I okay. think uh, colors are muted just in the sense that we deal with so much tragedy, and then even when we get into the real heavy academic sides of our book, okay, that's essentially about tragedy as well. Okay, I so. think it was just something playing with the trailer then, yeah. basically. Uh, okay, Ben. All right, so fifty five percent for that new release, Origin. All right, looking at the score, what a interesting kind of. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Interesting kind of week. <laughs> right. Any well, notes on this week? Any notes we're looking forward, Vin, or uh, ro- roll credits here? Uh, well, next week, in addition to the shout-out for uh, Scarface, uh, we are going to be doing Argyle, which is Matthew Vaughn. Uh, it looks very loud. It looks very obnoxious. You know, Vaughn is a powerhouse, uh, really more of a producer than a director uh, these days. But um, uh, if uh, you're interested in watching any Matthew Vaughn films, we'll definitely be kind of commenting on his career as a whole. And specifically, we're going to be covering Layer Cake, which is uh, kind of a... <laughs> got the, the, got the, the only DC fever! Got the DC fever! <laughs> The only man to ever hoop and holler for layer cake. (laughs) Um, And I'm just Uh, saying that's next week as well? Yeah, that's next week. So just if people aren't familiar with uh, layer cake, if you you are still confused, how did Daniel Craig come Mm. to be Bond? Where did he even come from? Why did did they choose him for Bond? Watch layer cake. Right. It's all there. Yep, and it played into uh, some last-minute switches in the marketing as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. So uh, excited to cover that. Uh, And, of course... February, we're covering our dancing, our dancing man, <laughs> Fred Astaire. He's on the scene. We're winding down, so yeah, we uh, are. Uh, a few films left, right? Right. I've watched a lot of Fred Astaire movies, and <laughs> I got opinions on them. So excellent. Um, stay tuned, Vin. Thank you so much for watching these films. Thanks for stopping by, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Vin and I were just before before we hit play here. We're talking about scheduling out and talking about you know the first kind of quarter of the year and stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got some great content, some great episodes, uh, a lot of good stuff planned for you. So, Vin, thank you so much for watching, stopping by, folks at home. We'll run it down. One more time. We have The Hustler with a must-watch 86%, Blowout with a 64%, The Color of Money with a 73%, and I taught me two shoes, two shoes, two laces. (laughs) And finally, we have Origin with a 55%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or get the word out, tell a friend about us. And just a reminder, the Daily Ratings is completely producer-supported. We want to stay away from advertising, and we don't want to have any paywalls or tier structures or subscriptions. It's all just value for value. So, are you finding value in any of the things we're doing here at the Daily Ratings? Then become a producer and donate whatever amount of value that is. Just go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the massive amount of films Vince has rated for us all. So thanks so much, everybody. We will see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.